are living your story right now in this moment. You know, no two stories are alike. We are all unique. We all have a different lens through which we see the world. We all have something to contribute, to share, to be. That uniqueness takes courage. It's not easy to stand in your truth. It's not easy to let yourself be vulnerable, to be really seen, to be really heard. So many of us hide. So many of us stay hidden. So many of us make the choice to step forward, to own who we are, to own our stories, to share our voice. The tide is turning. We're moving into a space of deeper vulnerability, courage, authenticity, and love. We're moving closer to greater self-love, self-acceptance, honesty, and empowerment. To get there, to get to that space, means we have to authentically share who we are. It means we have to authentically show up as our true selves. The magic is in sharing who you are. The magic is in sharing your story. That's where this series comes in. Own your voice. Love yourself. Stay true to your story. Dive deep into your vulnerability. Shine in your authenticity. Once you do, there's no stopping you. Stay honest. Stay brave. Stay true to who you are. Welcome to Seek the Joy Podcast, the power of storytelling. Hello, beautiful people at Seek the Joy Podcast. I'm so happy to be here with you sharing my story. When I thought about what it means to share my story, well, I'm a storyteller. It's what I do. My story has so many stories within it that I get to share, as does all of our stories. So I chose a story that is a memory from a few years ago, which has really been touching my heart lately. And it falls under the idea of seeking the joy because the woman in this story and the song that I sang to her, which you'll hear after the story, taught me how to be in joy. She was a force of joy. And I'm so excited to introduce you to her. The story is called The Leaving. The Leaving, April 27th, 2020. Now playing Always Something There to Remind Me by Naked Eyes from the album Naked Eyes, streaming on my phone by my side as I write this. People we love are dying. The small rectangular butcher block wood table in the basement was set, awaiting baking sheets filled with square-cut homemade pizzas which my host had been preparing all during the afternoon. In a small, dimly lit area with a low ceiling down the hall past the bathroom, early-arrived guests were setting up a chair, covering it with several pillows where arms, legs, and back would go. It awaited a frail woman whose body was in pain. She'll tell you about it when she gets here, one of the guests said to me as she fluffed a pillow. She's not shy about talking about it. The summer before, I had emailed a random series of bookstores all over California, and this kind pair of owners in Oakland had said yes and asked me to come play. A year later, they invited me into their home to sing for their friends. It wasn't planned to be Casey's last concert. 
She did talk about it. It was something rare. She talked through her pain with resigned outrage about a system which had denied her treatment. I didn't understand. I don't remember the details. I remember the feeling, the twist in my stomach, and the look in her eyes as she explained that she did not have to die. There was a treatment. It was just that she wasn't being granted access to it. She did not have to be a person who died. Not yet. Death is a strange thing. I try not to be one way about it. I have questioned it. I have wailed at it. I have thanked it. I have bargained with it. Eventually, I tell it the only thing we can tell it. To do what it will do, since I have no control over it. The first two weeks of the current coronavirus stay-home orders, I spent some time talking with death in this way. One of my two best friends in the world came down with COVID-19. I tried not to be dramatic. I tried not to think about her dying. But I did. Every few days, the tears would seep through my cracks. I would pause, grab my head with my hands, and speak. I do not want to lose this person. I don't want to do my life without her. I said that out loud. Maybe death was listening and could be swayed. When I finally heard her voice, it was the sweetest sound I had ever heard. When we hung up the phone, I broke down into a day of tears, shaking with relief. Back at the house concert, it was time for me to sing Turn. I had written the song in a time when I was really scared, a time when I was facing my own life and wondering if everything I had just started building was going to be over. I sang it to Casey. Everyone else in the room seemed to fade into a blur. Casey, weak, so frail, held me with strong eyes. She took in every single word and then beamed it right back to me as if she had written the song. And maybe in some ways, she has. Casey and I were fixed, locked with each other, connected in a way that I will never be disconnected from. There's not a single time I sing that song that I don't see Casey's eyes staring back at me. The rest of the concert was as fun as it could be. My songs and self-deprecating stories about my spotty love life, recommendations of good baseball books, a recognition that the homemade pizza didn't turn out as great as anyone had hoped. And then my songs were over. The dangling conversations ended, and it was time for everyone to leave. I'll see you again. I heard it over my shoulder. I turned around to see Casey taking her friend's hand in hers. Before her friend could choke out impossible words, before they could say goodbye, Casey nodded, took their hands and said, I'll see you again. Over and over again, she took her friend's hands and said, I'll see you again. I'll see you again. I'll see you again. I watched her in awe. Casey didn't let any of her friends speak the word goodbye. She took that burden off their shoulders. I'll see you again. When her friends responded in nervous chatter, she just repeated herself, talking over their rambles. I'll see you again. And she nodded, and she left each moment when she chose. She took my hands in hers, too. As she left that house that night, I was standing in the front doorway, and Casey and her boyfriend were just outside on the front step. I guess I was the last person she said this to. I was captivated by Casey and I wanted to hold her, to touch her, accept her offering and agree with her. Yes, I said, I'll see you again. I remember the feeling of the night air on my face and her boyfriend putting his arm around her shoulder, gently turning her body away from the house and leading her down the front stairs. Someone closed the door. 
A few months later, I got an email from one of the women who had been around the table with us that night. Casey left us, it said. I was glad she had been thoughtful enough to tell me. I had only met Casey that one night, but this friend of hers knew that was enough for me to have fallen in love with her, to have been touched by her, to have her life so effortlessly have already changed mine. We see those who leave this planet in so many ways, all the time, even after they are gone. They show up every time we look in the mirror at who we are now. We never stop seeing them. We always see them again. Casey's words, not mine. May you hear them as the words of those you love. May you hear their voice and feel their hands take yours and say, I'll see you again. Those who go in one way stay with us in so many other ways. May we see them again and again and again. This is the song I sang to Casey that night. Clouds, my 
Thanks so much. It's so wonderful to have shared this story with you. I cannot wait to meet you and hear your story and help you tell your story, actually, if you want. That's something I also love to do. So reach out to me and I look forward to meeting you. Take care. Stay well. Find joy in every moment. It was 2017. I believe the month was November and the holidays were coming upon quickly. And I was having lunch with a business coach. And it's a woman who I'd been a part of her mastermind for quite a long time, but we really didn't get to know each other one-on-one. So I had lunch with this person and I was sharing with her, you know, my frustrations, my confusion, what am I doing wrong? What can I do differently? And when I was telling her about some of the things that have crossed my computer, crossed my desk, she looked at me and she said, Marla, she goes, do you have any idea how many opportunities you've said no to? You've you've received way more than most people I know. Why are you saying no to all these opportunities? And I'll tell you that this conversation sort of stopped me in my tracks and made me really go inside. And it made me go inside so that I could understand why was I saying no. And what I realized is that I was saying no because I was afraid. And there was a litany of reasons why I was afraid. But I was afraid of doing all these things that were out of, outside of my comfort zone. So I went through the holiday season and I had decided that 2018 was going to be my year of yes. And... The first opportunity that came by was for a compilation book that I needed to have my chapter submitted by March. Okay, I'll do that. But then all of a sudden I was invited to be a a healing practitioner on a metaphysical cruise. And I said yes to that opportunity. And I was gone for seven days. And many people who don't realize that I am an extroverted introvert and in being so, I come off as very extroverted, but really I'm shy. And going into huge crowds and introducing myself has never been my comfort zone. But I went on that cruise, and not only did I go on that cruise, but I made sure that I met, introduced myself to each and every person, and not only introduced myself, but had an exchange with each and every person that was a part of that cruise, and then some. And I was like, this isn't so bad. I can do this. I am, I'm okay. 
And I was really proud of myself about doing something like that because it was nothing that I'd done before. And I got back and I was invited to participate in another compilation book. And I was absolutely thrilled. I said, of course I'm going to do that. So now I've got two compilation book chapters I needed to submit. And another opportunity came across my desk for to be participating in a mastermind group. It basically it said they wanted me on a TV show is what the hook was. But it was okay because after talking to the person, he was explaining to me, the gentleman who was running this, I was explaining to me all the different elements. I'm like, I'm intrigued. I'm going to do this. So it wasn't a small investment. It was a substantial investment, but I did it. And I did it because I needed to prove to myself that I could do what was necessary. And so when we started the mastermind, one of the first things that was said was, you need to write your book. You need to write whatever the book is. You need to write your own solo book. And it's got to have your authority reflected in it, your knowledge base, what you do, how you do it. And then there was a product to support it. And then there was developing your own online TV show. Um, but I started with the book. So in May, I went and I sequestered myself for a month. And I started doing automatic writing. And when the month came and went, I started read what I wrote and realized that I was writing my memoir. I was writing the story of the dysfunctional background I was brought up in. And as I'm writing it, I come back and I'm continuing to write the story and I'm adding to it. Spirit would give me these hits like, you need to put in your tools and techniques. You need to show them where you would have used this before you knew it. You know, how you used it when you did learn these things. And so I went and I added those pieces to my book. And my book ended up becoming not only a memoir, but a self-help memoir. So it shows my life in all its dysfunctional glory and how I was able to turn it around and to be in the place that I am today with my most powerful tips, tools, and techniques that I use to transform my life to help others transform theirs. From there, I also started my podcast around the time um, that I went down to sequester myself to write my book. And again, being the extroverted introvert, I really, you know, was unsure of myself and a little nervous, but I went through it. I did it, I went through it, and it turned out amazingly. And what followed in there was that my husband was then diagnosed with throat cancer. But while this was going up, going on, I still finished my book and by December it was ready for editing. And in the middle of all of Thanksgiving and Christmas, he had had his surgeries and I was with him for, for his recuperation. But then in January of 2018, as one of the books was published and was being released, it was told that we each each of the authors had to stand in front of the computer in front of the computer in front of the screen doing a Facebook live talking to the audience and one day a week for 7 days we needed to make statements about our chapter about the topic which happened to be gratitude 
And I ended up doing that for the first time. I was so nervous. I've never been comfortable in front of the camera. So to be in front of the camera and now learn to be so confident and comfortable is amazing. But I had to go through that fear to find out I could do it. Uh, I, one of my things that I did is I went to Bali. I met somebody from the other side of the world. We met in Bali so that I could research putting together spiritual retreats there. Again, I'm used to being an event manager, but this was a little different because you're taking people across the world to another place, to another land, um, but I was doing it. And in addition, last year, I moved my podcast format from a pre-recorded to a live version that have commercial breaks and call-ins. And so it's just taking, you know, doing that pivot for that. Again, there was a little, I was a little concerned about my abilities and what I could do and how I can do this and how well I do, but I did it. And I am so grateful because I just love this format. So... This is a little bit about my going through my, what I call my veils of fear. And I know that if I could go through my veils of fear, you can go through yours. And you'll find that on the other side, the outcome is going to be so much more powerful and brilliant than you ever anticipated it would be. Remember that fear is about worrying about something that hasn't even happened yet. So if you can learn to put your fear aside or just Go through that veil of fear. I bet you that you will find that you'll be awed by the outcome. So thank you for letting me share my story about fear and how I got through it. And I wanted to let you know that by me telling you this story and how I, I where I was in the end of 2017 and now it's April, of 2020 and where I am today, it's it's a tremendous 180. I'm confident, I'm happy, I'm joyful every day and I wanna be of service and I'll do whatever it is I need to do to be of service. And so talking about upcoming things, I am working on a very special project which I really can't get into much detail, but that too, that, that is the biggest dream that I have at this moment is to get this concept, this idea from thought to sample to actually having it done and out there in the world and being able to do what I do and be able to touch so many people in the most positive and inspiring ways. And I just want to share I am so grateful for this opportunity to talk about my experiences with fear and how I went through them and how hopefully you will go through them as I invite you to please take the chance. I, you know, you'll never have regrets if you, if you make the effort and there's no such thing as failure because everything is a stepping stone to growth and expansion. And if you look at it this way, you'll never ever feel like you failed at anything. So I am so grateful for you and the opportunity and I send you love, I send you blessings and I send you gratitude. Stay well. This is Seek the Joy podcast, the power of storytelling. Join us, share your story. 
For more information and to get involved, visit SeekTheJoyPodcast.com. This series airs the third week of every month, and make sure to join us for Seek the Joy Tuesday. Until then, thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your bravery. Thank you for your joy. Thank you for being here, and thank you for listening.